Praise the Lord for singing, for worshiping. I pray that your heart has been touched today. Even more importantly than that, I pray the Lord is pleased with what he heard in our heart today. Last uh, several weeks, last week in particular, we've been in the book of Acts. If you go there, the book of Acts, chapter um, number eight, we have been in the book of Acts. And if you'll just uh, bear with me here today, we've been talking about a total makeover. We've looked at the book of Acts and as we began Acts, we we looked at uh, a healthy church, and for several weeks we studied through what is a healthy church? What's a healthy church look like? And I challenged our church with this. Do we look like a healthy church? Well, a healthy church starts with healthy spiritual individuals. And then we saw great persecution comes to the church, and we uh, looked at the church under attack. And over the last couple of weeks, we have been looking at this theme through the book of Acts of a total makeover. We saw people like Simon. He was a um, sorcerer. He was a magician, and he, he uh, uh, was saved and gloriously saved. A transformation took place in his life. We saw the Ethiopian eunuch who came to the temple to worship. On his way back to Ethiopia, Philip comes alongside of him there in his chariot, opens up the word of God, explains to him out of the book of Isaiah, uh, Jesus Christ. And in the Ethiopian eunuch is gloriously saved. His total makeover, his life is changed. Right in the middle of that, and I spoke last week about the Holy Spirit of God. And, and ordinarily, I get uh, throughout the course of week, I'll, I'll, it's not abnormal at all to get text or emails or phone calls of the message, people saying, I appreciated that message. Um, uh, some even saying, where in the world did you find that message? I'm kidding, I don't get that kind of hate mail at all. But um, I get others, though, just times questions. This past week, um, I received more um, uh, questions than I really ever have about any specific subject. And that was this. Um, we hear the Holy, we hear uh, preaching of the Holy Spirit, but what does that mean? Matter of fact, I had someone say this to me. I know I'm saved, but I don't know if I could ever say I, I've sensed the Holy Spirit speaking. I, I want to, 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 to know that, but what, what is that? I hear it talked about. And um, as I re begin receiving messages, even as early as Sunday afternoon after this past message, um, and then throughout the week, I knew, uh, just began to pray, and I knew the Lord would have me to go into uh, this message uh, today. And so as we are in the book of Acts, I want to take this week, and I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Not much is ever quite said about the Holy Spirit. A lot of it is because I think some are afraid to touch the, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is mentioned all throughout the Bible. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the very first couple verses in the Bible. The Holy Spirit. And so today, I'm going to speak to us about the Holy Spirit or the work of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, because without the Holy Spirit, there cannot be a total makeover of your life. You see, religion can change you from the outside, but the gospel changes you from the inside. And that's because the moment you trust Christ as your savior, the Holy Spirit of God indwells you. Religion doesn't indwell you. 
Religion just gives you a set of rules that you have to live by. And someone then lives by those rules and realizes that I'm still empty, I'm still hopeless because religion, a church, can't save you. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can. And only by the way of the gospel does the Holy Spirit of God indwell you. When a person trusts Christ as their Savior, the moment that they're saved, the Holy Spirit of God takes up residency in your life. And so if you're here today and you have trusted Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. He's there. And there's a purpose for that. And so would you just allow me to um, uh, help our church, um, guide our church through this through this subject here and uh, total makeover. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is what I wanna look at here today. You can't live a godly life without the Holy Spirit. You can live a, a good life. You can live a, a life of, of ethics of sort, but you can't live a godly life without the work of the Spirit. You, you can't serve the Lord adequately, adequately without the, with the help of the Holy Spirit of God. You need the Holy Spirit of God. You, you can't understand God's word. Part of the uh, uh, job of the Holy Spirit is to help us understand the word of God. You need that. And so we as believers, we need the Holy Spirit of God in our life to help us to live a life pleasing the Lord, to help us serve the Lord adequately, and also to understand the word of God. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Galatians this morning. Book of Galatians, and we're gonna be in several passages of scripture this morning. Again, please stay with me. I know I don't have a whole lot of time because we're gonna come to the Lord's table here this morning. Um, but I know this will help us. I pray this will help us here this morning. Galatians chapter five. Go with me, if you would please, to the verse 16. Galatians chapter five, verse number 16. This I say then, what's the Bible say? Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Our flesh has a desire to live outside of the will of God. Every single person here that is saved, your flesh desires to live outside of the word of God, the will of God. When you got saved, the Bible, and I don't have the time, some of this I'm gonna give to you and I want you to study through this and maybe, maybe we'll spend some more time on this. We'll just see what the Lord allows us uh, to do here this morning. But th the moment that you're saved, Paul speaks about that old nature, that old man, our flesh. We still have that old nature that lives inside of us. Someone says, well, the moment I get saved, I don't understand if the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, then why, do I, why am I still tempted to sin? Why am I still tempted to do the things I used to do before I was saved? The reason why is because that old nature still lives inside of you. There's a war that goes on inside of you, your flesh against the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God comes in and, and is there for a reason to guide you, to help you serve, to help you understand God's word, to comfort you. Numerous things the Spirit of God does. And while he's doing that, the flesh is doing everything he can to maintain control of your life. And so we as Christians, we battle with this. Our flesh 
their desire to live. But, but again, this I say then, Paul speaking to the church at Galatia, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How do I not live under my flesh controlling me, controlling my actions, controlling my attitude? controlling my anger, controlling me, frustrating me, constantly living where I'm giving over to my flesh. How do I do that? Paul says, you've got to walk in the spirit. Well, that's easy to say. Hard to do. But in order for us to live a life pleasing to the Lord, in order for us to live this victorious Christian life where our flesh is not controlling us, we must walk in the spirit. Salvation doesn't remove the old nature. It gives us the spirit of God so that we can overcome this old nature. We can overcome. Greater is he that is what? In me than he that is in the world. The Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of me is stronger, is greater, is more powerful, but I've got to yield myself to him and walk in the spirit. Go with me to the, in the same chapter to verse number 25, if you would please. The Bible says this, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. And so Paul is challenging the believer to walk in the spirit. The Holy Spirit of God, some think this, some would say, well, we don't read of the Holy Spirit until, until the book of Acts. Well, I want you to go with me to Galatians chapter number, uh, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter number one this morning, if you would please, Genesis chapter number one. And I wanna show you the Spirit of God has always been there. Look with me in verse number one. We know this so well. In the beginning, God created what? The heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and the darkness was upon the face of the deep. And look what the Bible says there. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The spirit of God was there at the beginning, since the beginning. Go with me to Colossians. Uh, Colossians, if you keep your finger there in Galatians and just a few chapters over, a few books over, a few pages over, Colossians chapter number one in verse number 16, the Bible says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And here Paul is speaking of Christ. And so from the beginning here, we know that God created. We know the, the uh, uh, Christ was there, creation. The spirit of God was there. And, and then we find this verse in the book of Genesis. When God went to create man, he said, let us make man in our own image. Who was God speaking of? When he was referring to us, that's the spirit of God and that's, that's the son of God. The Son of God, God, and the Spirit of God. We call that the, the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so we find that it's, they have existed from, from the beginning of time. Uh, the, the, the Son was there, the Spirit was there, and God was there. Now, go with me to John, if you would, please. The, the Gospel of John. I was going to say I apologize for all the scripture, but I really don't apologize for using scripture while I'm preaching. John chapter number 14, in verse number 16, John chapter number 14, Jesus speaking, in verse number 16, he says this, Jesus is speaking, 
that I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. That word comforter is capitalized. That is a, a person that, that he may abide with you forever. Here again, verse number 16 confirms the Trinity. Here we find Jesus saying, uh, the son saying, I will pray to the father that he will send a comforter. There we find in that verse, the Trinity, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, the comforter that he may abide with you forever even the spirit of truth. Look again, that word spirit there, capitalized, the spirit, that's the spirit of God. That, that is the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, whom the word, uh, world cannot receive because it seem, seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be, what? In you. Look with me in the same chapter, verse number 26, if you would please. Verse number 26. You say, well, how do you know that the comforter is the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you asked. Because in verse number 26, Jesus, still speaking, says this, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall what? Teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Aren't you glad when Jesus presents the comforter, he also tells you who the comforter is? The comforter is the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, he says, and I'm going to, he's going to come. And the Holy Spirit of God comes once Jesus Christ was no longer here so that those that were believers in Christ, those that trust Christ as their savior now are guided. Look again in verse number 26, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, he's the comforter. How many, how many of you ever been in a place where you needed comfort and the Spirit of God comforts you? One of the wonderful things about the Spirit of God, we do, we live in a discouraging world. We go through trials, just like I had mentioned. Uh, we go through death, we go through cancer, we go through pain, we go through agony, we go through uh, uh, a hurt, and, and we go through uh, devastating things here upon this world because this world is anti-God and, and the things of this world are anti-God. But there's a comforter. Could you imagine, Christian, being saved and not having the Spirit of God there to comfort you and guide you and to, to be with you through all of these things. Someone early this morning texted me and just going through some rough things in their life and my response to them is this, but he giveth more grace. Thank God for the spirit of God that lives inside of us that when we seemingly can't get out of bed in the morning because of the tragedies that we're going to face, because of the difficulties we're going to face, because of this world that we have to deal with and the pain that it brings, thank God that the spirit of God lives inside of us and he's called the comforter. He's there to comfort us. Not only is he there to comfort us, the Bible says this, that he's there to teach us all things and to bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I've said unto you. God has sent him to us for a very specific purpose. In, in Christian, today we cannot live this victorious Christian life without the spirit of God. And I fear this, 
I fear that because we don't speak much of the Holy Spirit of God and because we don't uh, uh, always, always talk of the Spirit of God, we talk about living a victorious Christian life. We talk about uh, the things that we as Christians ought to do. And if we're not careful, we can say we ought to do these things and we ought to live this way, but we not teach of the Holy Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that helps us. It's the Spirit of God that comforts us. It's the Spirit of God that brings those things in remembrance. It's the Spirit of God that teaches us what we ought to do. Christian, we cannot live the victorious Christian life without the Holy Spirit of God guiding us, directing us, and us being yielded to him. And this is what my fear is. We are in a generation of believers. They're saved, but there's no, no leading of the Spirit. That's why we have such turmoil. That's why we have such problems in our homes. That's why we have such problems in our churches. Many of people, they have their preferences, they have their way, they have the things, their traditions. And if you mess with those, we've got problems. Yet there's no understanding of the spirit of God leading us. The Spirit of God today wants to meet with you. The Spirit of God today wants to direct you, wants to guide you. What we believe as Bible believers is not a religion. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ because of the cross, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God that's there to teach us, instruct us, comfort us. Every single one of us, every moment of our life, we are to be under the, the uh, direction of the Holy Spirit of God. Some will come to church and they'll leave church and go and live like the world. That's not living under subjection to the Holy Spirit. Some will come to church and do their time in church and then go out and cuss and drink and, and, and do all the things of the world and think it's okay because I've marked off church and, and I, I truly believe in Christ. That's not being yielded to the spirit of God. Some marriages are, are just a mess because those that are in that marriage, they are saved, but they're not yielded to the spirit of God. They're not listening to the spirit of God. Every moment, every, every day, every week, every month, every year, every moment we need to be under the leading of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is a vital part of every single person's life. If you are a believer in Christ today, the Holy Spirit is a vital part of your life. Yet if we're not careful, he's not a part at all. He's there He's there because it's promised by God that he's there. But you are not using the power that is inside of you called the Holy Spirit of God. Last week, my wife and I, we were away and my mom came down and stayed with my, my, my kids. And so my mom uh, just used my wife's van as she towed the kids around and back and forth to school. And, and so my mom, if, if, if um, um, 
uh, down Coder Road is like 35 miles an hour. And, and I know all the residents of Coder Road, they probably don't like all the people doing 60 miles an hour down Coder Road. And, and there's, now there's police officers that sit there, you know, giving you tickets to the policeman's ball. Um, if you decide to go over 35 there on Coder Road. And so um, my mom is one of those people, I don't have to remind her of the speed limit because she goes too fast. My mom is one of those people I need to remind her of the speed limit so she goes fast enough. You know, mom, it's, it's 35 there. You know, it's 55 on that road. So my daughter, she got to school one day and they, someone said to her, boy, your mom is a slow driver. What do you mean? I got behind your mom on Coda Road and man, I think she was doing about 15 all the way down Coda Road, you know, from our house to the school. And, and my girls said, uh, that wasn't my mom, that was my grandmother. And my wife, she even, when she found that out, she says, now people are gonna think I drive like a older lady, you know? And, and there was some power in that vehicle if she would just give it a little bit of gas and allow that engine to do what it's supposed to do, but she wasn't using it. My kids could have walked to school quicker than their grandmother driving them in the van. And it wasn't because the van didn't have the power to get them there. It's that the person wasn't allowing the van to use the power that it had. Oh, Christian, I believe this. The work of God isn't not being done in our homes, in our families, in our church, in society, because there's no power. It's because the people that have the power aren't allowing the power to do what the Spirit of God wants to do. It's not the Spirit's problem. It's us. We're not yielded to him. He's there to teach us. He's there to guide us. He's there to comfort us. We've got to allow the spirit of God to do the work that he's supposed to do in the life of the believer. All right? The work of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in verse number 26 of this chapter, is to teach. It's to teach you all things. It's to bring remembrance. Number two, to bring remembrance to this, this very verse. To teach you all things. We as Christians are to be taught by the Spirit of God. As we open God's word, and last week I was so glad that I had so much response to that message because what that tells me is our church is hungry for truth. And what I had to do is then I had to go to pray and I said, Lord, there is a question that many people in our church have that they need answered because this is a legitimate question. And, and I don't, I don't want to pastor a church where people want to do right, but they don't understand where the power comes from and, and the source of victory comes from. We, we need to understand the, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit of God. And so I went to the word of God and through prayer in allowing the Holy Spirit of God to, to direct me and to teach me, what am I supposed to do with this question, Lord? And the Holy Spirit of God then brings into remembrance all the things. He's our reminder. Look with me in John 15, just, just one chapter over. Look with me in verse number 26, what Jesus says. But when the comforter is come, who's the comforter? The Spirit of God whom I will send unto you from the Father. Again, we find the Trinity right there again in that same verse, the Comforter, the, the Father, and, and Jesus speaking, even the Spirit of truth, 
which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So the Spirit of God that lives inside of you is always testifying of Jesus Christ. He doesn't bring attention to him. What he constantly does is to teach you and remind you and testify of Jesus Christ because each and every one of us as a child of God, we are to live our life pleasing to Christ. We are to live our life like Christ would live. And the Holy Spirit of God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to help you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to let the Spirit of God in my life teach me how to live like Jesus would have me to live. That's what the Spirit of God is to do. He's there. Look with me in verse number, chapter 16. Again, just another chapter over in verse number 8 of this chapter. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. He's going to convict you. And, and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me. Jesus is speaking. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Look with me in verse number 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Jesus said, there's a lot more things I want to teach you. But you can't. Well, that sounds like it's, I'm, I failed, and if there's more, no. The Spirit of God, look with me in verse number 13. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whosoever he shall, uh, he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you the things to come. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit that is there that ought to be meeting every single time we come together as a church. The Holy Spirit of God ought to be the one that we are letting lead us and guide us in revealing truth to us. Listen, there's not a, a, not a person here today that knows everything there is to know about the Word of God. You're always growing. You're always maturing. None of us have arrived it's the work of the Holy Spirit to help us, to guide us, to teach us. The moment you got saved, it isn't now that I'm saved, I, I know everything I'm supposed to know. You're just starting to know the things that you need to know. The same thing would be true in our church. The same thing would be true in our homes. The same thing is true. Listen to me, Christian, the Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of you and he's there in every moment we're supposed to be yielded to him. I remember 20 some years ago when I got married, I had no idea what it was like to be a good husband. None. I thought if I opened the door and I closed it without her leg being stuck in the door there, I was a good husband. If I put gas in her car when she got close to empty, complained about it to her, but you know, still did it anyways, I was a good husband. I thought if I worked and I paid the mortgage and I'm a good husband. Oh, there's so much more. I, I remember uh, 19 years ago or so, you know, I, I was standing on the front row there and, and just singing this morning. And I was watching my son lead this morning and I, I just went back to uh, 19 years ago when, when, when he was born and, and, and all that we went through. And, and then they said a couple days later, you can take him home. I said, we can do what? I didn't know how to be a dad. I didn't know what it was to, to be now a husband and a dad. 
I remember, I remember the first church that I, that I pastored and, and, and someone came with me with a problem and I said, I don't know, you're gonna have to ask the pastor that one. And I remembered, I am the guy that comes. There's no one else to ask but me. I remember there's these times in my life and there's still days like that in my life. I remember Mother's Day morning when I got that, that phone call that afternoon from the Sun family. And I, the whole way to the hospital, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. But I'm so thankful the Spirit of God dwells inside of me. And he's the one teaching me. He's the one that's guiding me. He's the one that is, is, is convicting me. He's our uh, uh, teacher. He's our guide to all truth. And, and hear me, church, when the Spirit of God dry, uh, directs us, he always directs us to truth. He's the one that points us to Jesus. In Romans chapter 8, again, my... I'm running out of time here. Romans chapter eight, verse number 11. Every believer has the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us. In Romans chapter eight, verse number 14, the Bible says that he leads us. In Romans chapter eight, verse 15, he gives us assurance of our relationship with the Father. In Romans eight, verse 16, the Spirit reminds us that we're a child of God. Boy, there's so much work that the Spirit of God does. He's there to lead me in every area of my life and leading me so that I become more like Christ. That Christian is where I believe if we're not careful, many of us fail, we become a, a, a Christian, we become a believer in Christ, but we still go back and our life experiences and our upbringings and, 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 and our, 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 our culture that we grew up in, none of that changes, but we're saved. And, and yes, you're still saved, but you'll remain the same unless you allow the Holy Spirit of God to lead you. There are some bad, bad habits that I picked up from my father. How, how many of you are the same way? How many ever, someone already said, someone said to you, you're just like your father, or you're just like your mother. Anybody like that, just, just me? Yeah? Two or three of you, good. Some bad habits. One of the bad habits I picked up from my father is, is I, like him, and I learned like his father, very short-tempered. Anybody ever short-tempered? I mean, I can go zero to a hundred like this. Somebody cut me off. I'm mad at people if I think they're gonna cut me off. They don't have to cut me off. If, I, if, 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 if I'm going and they're supposed to yield and they're way back here, I'm already upset with them. You're not gonna yield, you're not gonna yield, you're not gonna, I'm already, I'm like upset like that. Because it's not they haven't yielded. I don't think they're going to yield. I'm talking to them. I've got my window down. I'm ready to go. And they end up yielding. And instead of me being thankful, I said, you knew better. Just keep going. Come on now. My wife says, you just like your dad. I said, don't pick on him. He's dead. <laughs> But the truth is, I am. And I can use it as an excuse. 
Well, that's just how I am. That's how I'm made. That's my DNA. That's, that's my life experience. You've just got to accept me because that's what I am and I get it honestly. Listen, believer, that's no excuse. Because you and I have the spirit of God and we don't have to be what we used to be. We don't have to uh, uh, behave the way we used to behave. We have the spirit of God now that leads us and guides us and directs us. And when I'm acting like a a, a man uh, controlled by his flesh, the spirit of God is saying, but that's not how a believer ought to act. And at that moment, I have to decide, am I going to let my flesh behave the way my flesh behaves, or am I going to listen to that voice of the Holy Spirit inside of me? As a husband, there's times that I don't love like Christ loved the church. But the Holy Spirit of God that lives and dwells inside of me, he reminds me of that constantly. You're not being like Christ. And honestly, church, there's times I say, because it doesn't feel good to be like Christ. That person has hurt me. That person has done something to me. That person has lied about me. That person has, 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 has talked about me. And I want to behave in my flesh because it feels good. But that is not going to ever lead me to truth. The Spirit of God always is there to lead me to truth. Romans chapter 8, please read that. My time is done. I think I'm going to pick this up next week. How many of you, let's take a church vote. We'll talk about the Spirit of God next week. Let's do that. All right. Ushers or men, if you'll please come, we're going to come to our table here, Lord's table. Just make you.